Well, I'm, some, I'm sure some of you this year made some sort of New Year's resolution, probably, probably many of us made some sort of commitment, some sort of resolution that we were going to change something, uh, discipline, uh, have some, some, do something new maybe that you haven't done in the past. And it is very common, of course, this time of year to do that. And as a matter of fact, usually you can predict what those New Year's resolutions are going to have to do with. As a matter of fact, the top three this year and most years uh, have to do with being physically fit. The top three New Year's resolutions in 2021 by far for 2021 are these, uh, exercising more, improving fitness overall, uh, losing weight, and improving diet. All three of those deal with being physically fit, and that's important. It's important to be healthy, physically fit, Uh, but more important than that is being spiritually fit. And, and I think our, our resolution this year, uh, as we talked about last week, we're going to go deeper into this week, should have to do with our spiritual fitness and growing spiritually and deepening our relationship with Christ and what all that involves. Now, a lot of emphasis in our culture about being physically fit. Uh, we want to focus on being spiritually fit. In this series that we're in, this is week two, Uh, We're looking at, uh, it's called Relaunch 2021. We're looking at the purpose being uh, preparing to relaunch the mission and ministry of Wall Highway and what that means in light of everything that we're facing. The purpose is still the same. We're still called to be a church that makes a kingdom impact for the gospel, uh, that reaches people with the gospel of Christ. So what does that look like for us? We're going to explore that, uh, continue to explore that over the next few weeks. The question I want to ask this morning, though, is are you spiritually, not physically, but spiritually fit? And if you're not spiritually fit, why not? What needs to happen? In order for you to become spiritually fit, I want to I want to ask you to turn to First Timothy chapter four. We're going to look at First Timothy four verses seven and eight this morning. They deal these verses deal with being spiritually fit as a believer. First Timothy chapter four, beginning in verse seven, Paul says to Timothy, "Have nothing to do with irreverent or silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness." I like how the Phillips paraphrase says that. It says, take the time and the trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. Uh, It's not going to be automatic is what that's saying. It takes time. It takes trouble. I have to make it a priority and I have to work at it. I have to do exercise just like in order to be physically fit. There are disciplines I have to have, exercises I have to do. Spiritually, there are disciplines that I have to have and spiritual exercises that I have to do. I have to take the time, make it a priority and actually do it. Do the work necessary to be spiritually fit. Look at verse eight. Why should I take the time? Well, For the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness, that comes from spiritual exercises, godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. There's value. You can be fit spiritually. How? How do we become spiritually fit? Well, again, you have to exercise. And there are some exercises that we can do. You know, they've done studies of effective people, people that have achieved great things, that have, have accomplished great things, that excel at what they do. 
and they, they look at these people, and if we look at these people who are successful in what they do, they all have some things in common. And one of those things is that they're willing to do the work necessary to have the discipline necessary, be it an athlete or someone who's successful in their business, they're willing to do the things that are necessary to be successful. Um, people that are effective, they have habits, they have things that they do that uh, encourage that and allow them, give them the opportunities to be successful. I've been a Christian for 37 years, and over the years I've seen many, many Christians, some who are spiritually fit, who are spiritually mature, and some who aren't. And I'm going to tell you there are things that are common in those who are spiritually mature, spiritually fit, and all of those individuals who are. Things, exercises, disciplines that they're willing to do that allow them, that put them in a position to grow spiritually. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at, there are many that I could talk about, many spiritual disciplines that we could cover. But we're going to talk about three, three things, three areas of our lives that if we are going to be more spiritually fit at the end of 2021 than we are right now, Three things that we need to commit to doing. Three things that we need to be about doing. These things involve um, our time. They involve our resources. And they involve our relationships. So let's look at these three things this morning. Habits that we, life-changing habits that we can develop that will encourage spiritual maturity in our lives, that will allow us to be spiritually fit. The first is that we need to get time with God every day. If we're going to be spiritually fit, we need to take time and spend time with God every day. Now, when you're talking about a habit, when we're looking at why we should do something, what the purpose is, there there are really three things you need to know. Understand the reason, the reason it's important to do that. We need to understand the routine, how you do it, and the results, what what the benefit is, what will come, the result will be if you do that. So we're going to look at, with each of these habits, those three things, the reason, the, the routine, and the result, the purpose, the procedure, and the payoff. So why? What's the reason to have a daily time with God, a daily quiet time with God, to get a few minutes, scripture reading, prayer, or more, whatever, uh, wherever you are in your spiritual life? Um, the reason we do this is to get direction from God. That's first and foremost. We need direction. We need God's direction in our lives. And and the sooner we realize that, the better as believers. And the more we realize that, the more we seek it, the more we crave it. And in order to get direction from God, we've got to spend time with him in prayer and in his word. That's the only way we will receive it is to spend time with him. It's like David said in Psalm 25, 4, Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. I can't tell you how many major decisions I've made in my life in those quiet times with God. In that time alone, seeking his will, and he impressed upon me his will and showed me through his word or also through the still small voice of the Holy Spirit what direction to take in my life. Uh, And even when he spoke to me in some other setting to show me which direction to go, it was always accompanied by those daily times that quiet time that I spend with him each day. That's where I receive direction. That's where we as believers receive direction is in time alone with God. The reason to have a daily time with God, to pray, to read his word, is to receive direction. So what's the routine? How do we do it? Well, you get alone with God. We've got to be willing to get alone 
to make it a priority and to get away in a quiet place where there are no distractions, no television, no radio, get up early enough if you have to, or stay up late enough to where the kids aren't running around, a distraction. It's just you and God in your place, in your quiet place. I recommend the same place every day, your quiet place where you can spend time with God without any distractions. Look at Luke 5, 16. Jesus often withdrew to places and prayed away by himself, alone. The routine is to get alone. You know, few people live busier lives than Jesus did, yet he found time every day to get alone with his father. So if it was important to him, I think it's even more important to us, or it should be. We need to get time alone with God every day. It has to be a priority. And it has to be, it was Jesus' habit, it needs to be our habit. What's the result? If I do this, what's going to happen? Well, I'm going to receive God's help in my life. And we need God's help. We always do, but we've been reminded of that in drastic ways in recent months, uh, throughout the past year. Um, Regardless of which area of our world right now you're looking, whether it be social unrest, division in our nation, the pandemic, the suffering that's going on, if we can't see that we need God's help now, then God help us because we're not looking. We need God's help. And if I, in my life, will take time each day to spend time with him, I will receive his help in my life. In John 15, verse 7, Jesus said, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. Why? Because if you're in Christ and he is in you, you will know his will and you will know what to ask for. It's not a free ticket to get whatever you want. The, the key phrase, the qualifier there is in his name, in agreement with who he is, his character, his plan for, and his purpose for his kingdom. And the only way I'm going to know what to ask for is if I spend time each day with him and in his word, praying, reading his word. Do you think if you knew God's will in every area of your life that that would make you more effective as a believer? Well, yeah, it would. And there are some things that we don't know, and, and, and there are reasons why God doesn't reveal us things to us at certain times. But I'm certainly not going to know his will if I don't spend time with him, if I don't read his word. So I've got to do that. I've got to spend time with him and his word. He says, you have, uh, you have not because you ask not. You're not asking for the right things, or you're not asking at all because you don't know what to ask for. So what, how do we know? What do we ask for? You know, it's interesting. J.D. Greer in Not Got Enough says this. He said, I've heard it said that prayer works like a laser beam. Laser beams are created by stacking light waves on top of one another, channeling all the photons in the same direction. A handful of photons going in different directions yields only a soft, incandescent glow. But when you align those waves, they yield a power that can cut through steel. In prayer, you stack the wave of your faith with the wave of Jesus' expressed promises, and that releases the laser beam of God's power into the world. And here's the key, the key sentence for me. Scripture often tells us exactly what God wants on earth, which means when we pray Scripture, we pray with God's power. If you want to know what to pray for, you're only going to find it in here. In God's revealed word, his word. And the only way you're going to know that, I'm going to know that, is if I spend time in his word. And I allow that to become a part of who I am. But in that time, I learn the mind and the heart of God. 
his desires, his will, and I'm able to pray in line with his will. And when God's people pray in agreement with God's will, powerful things happen. God's power is released on earth. I don't know why God chooses to use prayer. He doesn't need to wait for us to pray, but he does. It's a part of how he works, and in a miraculous way, he uses the prayer of righteous men and women to accomplish incredible things on earth. If you want the world to change around you, then it begins with this, time with God every day, and praying, and praying in agreement with his will, and the only way we're going to know that is if we know the heart of God. Time alone with God. It has to begin with there. Take time with God every day. When's the best time to spend time with God? Some will say in the morning. Some will say in the evening. The best time to spend time with God is when you're at your best. Some of you hit the ground running in the morning. Some of you don't believe in God until later in the afternoon. Whenever you are at your best, spend time with God. Now, I'm not a morning person, but I have my time with him in the morning. I feel like I can't start my day without that. Every morning, same time, same place, I spend time with God. So whatever, whenever you're at your best, God deserves your best. Spend time with God. Don't be legalistic about it, but do it. I encourage you to do it at the same time every day. Set that time for God and God alone. He deserves at least that. And I encourage you to do it in the same place. But whenever you're at your best, spend time with God. Just do it every day. And hey, if you miss a day, do you give up? Well, no. If I miss a day eating, I'm not going to give up eating, right? I might eat a little more the next meal. And so just do that. Spend a little more time with him. Don't don't beat yourself up. Don't let Satan convince you that that if if you make a mistake, it's all over with. Ask God for forgiveness and spend more time the next day. But do it consistently every day. The second spiritual habit. Second spiritual habit is to give a tithe to God every week. Now, I'm I'm continuously amazed at the generosity of this church, and I want you to hear that. Not to, you know, to boast about us. It's not what it's about. But you are a giving church, and I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful for God's faithfulness throughout this pandemic. He's taking care of us. and, And I know you... You agree with me on that, and we can praise God for that. And it is, it's an encouragement to me to see the generosity that exists in this church. But this is a habit that we need to make sure that we continue and that we, we, we understand the reason for. Why is, why is it important to give God part of my money? Um, and that's when we're talking about the tithe, that's what we're talking about. This deals with money. Uh, it is, you know, we take the tithe, the principle of tithe is we take 10% of our entire income and we give it back to God. It's, it's his. And so, so we give it to him. And that's a part of the commitment of believers. At the end of our service, when we have our time of offering, and I go through all the ways you can do that now in the midst of the pandemic, the reason we do that is because God calls us to do that. It's an act of faith, and it's a way we show our faith in a tangible way that we trust God to take care of all of our needs. Why do we do this? Why is it important? Well, the reality is it all belongs to God. Number one, he says, he tells us to, and that should be enough. It's a commandment that we need to obey. But the the other part of it is, is, you know, it all belongs to him. He can ask for all of it or the other way around, 90-10, but he only asks for 10%. Why does he do that? Well, again, it's an issue of faith. He he says that this this is a symbol, a sign of what's important in my life. So, so the reason, why do we do that? Well, we do it to draw closer to God. That's just one of the reasons the tithe is important. It draws us closer to God. What do I mean by that? 
Well, when you give an offering, a tithe, it draws you closer. Look at Matthew 6, 21. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you want to know what's important to a person, look at their bank account or a church. I mean, it, it, what, where I put the, the things, my money or whatever I value, where I place that or what I place value on, that shows you my heart. That's what Jesus is saying. Where your treasure? If I put money into a house, that's where my heart is. And, and there's, there's an appropriate place for that in my life, right? Provide a home for my children. If I put money in my car, that's where my heart is. And hey, if you have a nice car, great. But that shows something. I mean, where if I, if I buy a car, that te- communicates something. It's important for me to have a car or I need it. If I put money with the Lord and how much I put with him, that shows you my heart as well, doesn't it? It shows you my commitment. And God knows already, but it's about me understanding my level of commitment and my level of faith uh, with God. It draws me closer to him. If, if that's a priority, it just shows that I want to be closer to him. That's where my heart is, where my treasure is, my heart is. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23, God's people are instructed to bring the tithe to the designated place of worship, to the storehouse. That's what that means. The place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. Doing this will teach you to always fear the Lord your God. It's an issue of faith. Trust in God. Do I respect him? Am I willing to obey him? But do I trust him? And, and it also makes me like God. God is a generous God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God is a giving God. So when I am giving, I am being like God. I'm, I'm learning to be like him. The Living Bible paraphrases that same verse, Deuteronomy 14, 23, this way. It says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your life. That's what it does. It's, it's me putting God first in my life. When I give the first part of my income to God, it is I'm saying that he is the top priority in my life, that he's number one, that it's his way, not my way. And that's a, a, a symbol that I trust him with everything, so I'm going to give him this first. And that leads to the routine. How do we do it? How do we tithe? Well, it, Scripture says on the first day of the week, Look at 1 Corinthians 16, 2. Paul says, On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. On the first day of the week, he's talking about Sunday, the Lord's Day. On the first day of the week, that's why we do offering during our worship service. Why do you think he says, do it on the first day of the week? Why is that important? Well, doing it first is a concrete reminder of the importance of having God first in my life, of putting him the first and in the center of my life. If I give God the first part of my money on the first day of the week, it reminds me that God is first or should be first. Now listen, whether you, here's the principle, all right? You don't have to get too legalistic about this, but the principle is, is that when I get paid, whatever, whether that's bi-weekly, a weekly, bi-monthly, whatever, monthly, whatever, is that when I get paid, when that check is deposited in my account or I deposit it physically or however you do that, I sit down and before I pay a single bill, the first thing I do is I take out that, that tithe, that 10%. Because guess what? If you wait till after you paid for everything, it, somehow it'll disappear. But, but 
more importantly, it's, it's an expression that, God, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to trust you in faith, and I'm going to take this out first. It's non-negotiable. This is yours. You can ask for it all because it all belongs to you, but I'm going to give you this 10% willingly, not legalistically, but willingly as an act of faith, trusting you, fearing you, respecting you, and putting you first in my life and putting you at the center of my life. That's the principle, is that he's first. We take it out first to show that he's first. Now, I've shared this with you before, but Mandy and I made this commitment before we ever got married. And sometimes it's been easy to do this. Sometimes it's been hard to do this, but we've always done it. And we've always followed this principle. There's a lot of things I haven't done right in my life, but this is something we've always done. And we've we've gone through difficult times in our marriage, but God has always provided for us. And God is good and he's generous, but I you can, in Scripture, equate those two things. There have been times that we have gone without some things, but we've always been taken care of. God has provided, and he's done it in incredible ways. And one of the reasons he's done that is because we, in this area of our lives, I believe, have put him first and kept him first. And we've been faithful, and he proves himself faithful time and time again. What's the result? This leads to the result. Why would anybody take the first 10% of everything they make and give it back to God? Well, the result is blessing. It's not name it and claim it, but God promises that if you do this, he'll bless you. He'll take care of you. Look at Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. God says. We shouldn't test God, right? Well, in this area, he invites us to. Test it and see if I'm not faithful. I've already shared with you, I've experienced that time and time again in my own life, how God has blessed my family, and I believe in this area is because of the fact that we've done this faithfully. God promises blessing. There are more promises in the Bible related to giving than any other thing. God wants to teach us how to be givers, Why? Because, again, he's a giver. For God so loved the world that he gave. God is a giver, and he wants you and me. God's primary purpose in my life and your life is not that we become famous or that we do some incredible thing that we get notoriety for or or any other thing. If that happens, great, and he may have that purpose for you. God's primary purpose, regardless of the specifics of your purpose in relation to his kingdom and your gifts and abilities, his primary purpose is that you become like him. That you become, you were made in his image, sin messed that up. He has now bought you back out of sin if you're a child of his, and he is now in the process of, of making you like him, sanctification, making you like his son Jesus. That's what he wants for you. And this is one of the ways that we become like God, is through giving. And so we, in order to be spiritually fit, we give a time to God every day, spend time with him every day. We give a tithe to God every week. That handles my time and my money. But there's another part of life that is so very important that involves our habits, and that is our relationships. Our relationships. It's another area that if we're going to have true spiritual fitness, we need to get it right. It needs to be the right kind of relationships. So, number three, third spiritual habit. Get together with other believers regularly. Now, that's hard right now, right? I mean, some of you can't be here. And I understand that. Some of you shouldn't be here because of your physical condition. You're having to worship online. You can't be in small groups. Um, and, but it's still important that we remain connected. 
And so it's, it's important that we have relationships, that we build, that we encourage one another. And we're going to talk about that for just a few moments. This is called fellow, fellowship. I've heard it described as two fellows on the same ship, so they, they got to know each other because it was going to be a long journey. We're, life is a long journey, isn't it? Full of ups and downs, ins and outs, trials, tribulations, good times, bad times, mountaintops, valleys, all of the above. And so as, as believers, it's important that we spend some time getting to know each other because we're all in this together. And we need each other. We need a large fellowship like this, but we also need relationships, smaller relationships, smaller groups where we can form relationships, spend time with other believers, getting to know each other, sharing life. You know, some of you come crawling in here every Sunday, beaten down by life, and you need this time. We all do, but you know, some of you have some tough stuff you're dealing with in life, difficult circumstances. You know, this isn't the only purpose of church, church, and we're going to talk more about the purpose of church in the next two weeks and this church specifically. But, you know, one of the great things about church is that it's kind of like a filling station, right? It's, you get recharged spiritually. You're around other believers. You're encouraged. You spend time, and there's something about worshiping corporately. You know, the presence of God is manifest in a special way. And so we come in here. And we spend time with the Lord and with each other, fellowshipping with each other and with God. And so we, we are at least a little better equipped to go back out into the mess again. To get kicked around for another week and come back. Um, but once a week isn't enough. And a large group isn't enough. We need the fellowship of a large group. But we also need the fellowship of a few. To spend time with, with a smaller group. The reason we should have fellowship is that we need each other. We need each other. Um, desperately. It's the way God designed it. His church, the body of Christ, working together to accomplish his purposes. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. It says, Don't give up meeting together. We need to have a habit of meeting together with other believers. The fact is, you will never be an effective Christian if you try to do it alone. We can't do it alone. No man's an island. We need each other. And, and again, you know, life is difficult. And if we don't have the encouragement of other believers, it's going to be impossible to fulfill God's plans for our lives, to be faithful, to remain faithful. There's just too much out there pulling us in too many different directions. There's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. None that were effective may have claimed to be, but it just doesn't, it, it's, not, it's not possible. No man can do it on his own. No woman, nobody can do it on their own. We need each other. We need to support each other. And that's why it's so important that we do come together. And again, I understand right now some of you can't be here physically. Continue to plug in virtually. Make sure you're connected with other people in other ways. Even if it's just telephone calls, um, connection groups, uh, contact those people that aren't here every week. We need to stay connected. And then once this is over with and once we're able to, we need to come back together again. One of the hardest things that's going to happen in churches is to get people to convince people to come back to church after they haven't been here in a while. But, you know, I shudder the thought of, of trying to worship by myself every week forever. Um, that's not the way God designed it. And it's great to have technology, and it's great for people to continue to be able to do that right now. And again, some of you have no other choice, and God's grace is sufficient to cover that right now, okay? I believe that. But we need each other, and we, need, we don't need to forget how important it is that we come together. 
both in big groups and in small groups. It's kind of like coals in a fire. When you've got coals all together in a fire, they're red hot, right? But you take one of those coals and set it off to the side for a little while, and what's going to happen? It's just going to cool off. There's going to be no heat, no energy. Spiritually, that's what happens. We've got to come together as much as possible, spend time with each other, because together God works in incredible ways, and we get heated up, and then we can go out into the world and serve him, but we've got to come back. We've got to come back together. The routine for getting together with other believers is at church and in homes, Acts 5.42. They met day after day in the temple courts and from house to house. You need regular contact with other believers. It says day after day, not just on Sunday. In Greek, this literally means as often as you can, not necessarily daily, but as often as you can. So in whatever form right now you can, we need contact with other believers often. Large group, small group, in whatever way possible, right? Even if it's uh, having a FaceTime with somebody for a little while, just to share prayer needs and to maybe study scripture or whatever. Whatever way possible right now, take time as often as you can and as in, in, in as many forms as you can. Once a week on Sunday is just not going to be enough for you to be spiritually fit. I mean, it's like, I, it's like saying I'm going to eat one meal Sunday morning and fast the rest of the week and expect to be healthy. Well, no, it's not possible. Yes, there's a time for this corporate worship, but I need relationships, people who can share my life and with whom I can share their lives and encourage and support and to know specifically how to pray for them, to study God's word together with them. We need more input than just once a week. A little dose on Sunday morning is not going to do it. So, We need large group and small group, and right now we offer several different avenues for that, both in-person and virtual, small group connection groups on Sunday morning, in-person and virtual, Wednesday night Bible studies for all ages. We are about to start another Sunday night Bible study for men, women, and students. I mean, the list goes on and on. There are several ways that you can be a part of that, but we all need to take part in that. And if you can't be here in person, I know it's not the same, but even with connection groups, you need to be plugged in online. We have a virtual option for all of our connection groups for all ages. Um, And so, so, so do that. Be in person for those that can. And if you can't, be there virtually. And this too shall pass. And you'll be able to be here again. And I encourage you to make that a commitment, to be here in person when you can. If you're not involved at all in any of those smaller groups, that's one thing you need to pray about committing to this year, is being a part of that small group somehow, that Sunday school class. So different Bible studies. You know, kindergarten fellowship is important. A kindergarten teacher asked uh, her students one day to do show and tell. And different, she had some, different, some kids from different religions in her class, and she asked them each to bring something from their religion and tell about that uh, to their class. And so the day came, and she went around the room, and she had a couple of different kids. One of them was, was Muslim, and he came forward, and he showed the class his prayer rug. He said, this is my prayer rug. And the, the, one of the kids was Jewish, came forward, and he showed a star of David, and he explained this is the star of David, and he explained what it was. One of the kids was Catholic, came forward, and showed the rosary and explained that. When she got to the next kid, and he was a Southern Baptist, he came forward and he showed the class his covered dish. <laughs> because that's what we're known for, right? Is eating, and eating a lot. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I haven't been able to do that as much, but, you know, we will again. And, and why do we do that? Why do we place value on that? Well, we do because it's over those meals that we fellowship, right? 
We spend time with each other. We have sort of become known for that, and that's not a bad thing. You know, yesterday at the workday, when everything was said and done, we had worked all morning, we sat down, had a bunch of pizza, and we were all just kind of scattered about the fellowship hall, and that was one of the greatest times of the day. So we just kind of sat around, and we enjoyed spending time together, had fellowship with one another. Worked together all day yesterday. I learned some things about people that I didn't know yesterday, just working with them yesterday. And it was, it, it, that, it's those moments where we share bits and pieces of our lives, where we grow together. The verse says, they met day after day in the temple and from house to house. Big groups, large groups, small groups. Did you know the temple courts in Jerusalem, Solomon's temple, um, would hold about 50,000 people? That's a pretty large church, right? And they would gather in Solomon's temple, and they would worship the Lord. Large group. And there's something about that, right? I would much rather sing with 150 people than all by myself, and you would rather me do that too, I guarantee you. But there's something about that, the power of God, feeling like you're a part of something greater, the way God manifests his presence in a special way corporately. So there's a place for that, and we need that. But then they did it house to house too. Why is that? Because they needed relationships. You could come here every Sunday, even in this size a group of people and never get to know anybody in this room beyond, hey, how you doing? Pleasantries. But it's in those smaller groups that you get to know people's needs, their passions, their desires. You share insight scripturally as you study God's word. You learn from other people. They're where they are spiritually. They share wisdom. And then you get to do the same. It's in those small groups that we really form those tight-knit relationships that are going to support us and encourage us when we're out in the mess every week attempting to live for God in a culture that is going in an opposite direction in many ways. We need those relationships, those small group fellowships and those large groups, and the result is a greater effectiveness for the kingdom of God. Greater effectiveness. If our relationships are where they need to be spiritually, we have greater effectiveness for God's kingdom. Look at Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10. Plain and simple, two people are better than one because they get more done by working together. We figured that out yesterday, right? We got a lot done yesterday. Worked hard, we got a lot done. If one falls down, the other can help him up, but it is bad for the person who is alone and falls because no one's there to help him up. That's a sad story. Falls all by himself. Nobody's there. Why? Because he has no relationships. But if I'm walking, sharing life with you, if I fall down, you can pick me up, and I can do the same for you. Every day, there's a way I can pick somebody else up. If you want to be an effective person, you can't do it alone. You've got to share your life. I mean, it's, it's like a soldier going to battle all by himself. He's not going to last very long. And guess what? We're, our, we are in battle every day. And we need our fellow soldiers to make it. A Christian without a church and a small group is like a football player without a team. He's not going to do very well. A soldier without an army, he's not going to make it very far. We need each other. There are problems in life that you need people to help you gang tackle. That you're not going to be able to tackle all by yourself. That you're going to need support, encouragement, prayer from other people. And we need each other to gang tackle each other's problems and to encourage one another every day. I help you, you help me. The result, more effectiveness for the kingdom of God. In 2021, you need to team up with other believers. Join a church if you haven't. Join a small group if you haven't. Form a Bible study on your own if you want to. Whatever it is, spend time with other believers. You definitely need to be a part of a church, and you definitely need to be a part of a small group in that church. But spend as much time 
on top of that as possible with other believers to grow spiritually. These, I, think, I believe these three habits, and there are, more, and there, are, there are more that I cover in our equip classes, but these three habits, I believe, are indispensable for believers if we want to be spiritually fit. And, and, you know, we want to do this. I want to do this, but maybe you're like me, and sometimes you've had good intentions, and you've made commitments and haven't followed through. Those New Year's resolutions, do you realize that only about 10% of people actually follow through on their New Year's resolutions? Why is that? Well, sometimes they make commitments that are just too big, and unreasonable, but sometimes it's just that life comes in and, and, and messes up and distracts you, and, and you don't follow through with it. But I want us to follow through with this this year. And, and one of the ways I believe that will help us do that is if we make this a commitment, not with, just with each other and not, not in front of me or because of me or whatever, but we make a covenant with God. You know, that takes it to a whole new level. And in Scripture, we see the precedent for this. In Nehemiah chapter 9, we see the nation of Israel before God. You know, they, they wanted to do right. They wanted to grow, but they were suffering from inconsistencies. They were having a hard time. So their leaders came before them and told them, what we're going to do is we're going to sign a covenant together, not between each other, but between each of us and us corporately and God, we're going to sign a covenant with God to show that we're serious about this. In Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 39, they said, We are making a binding covenant, putting it in writing, and our spiritual leaders are fixing their seals to it. They signed a covenant in the presence of leaders, and they did it with God. And so I'm encouraging you to do the same thing. I'm not going to check up on you to see if you've done this. It isn't about whether or not I know you did it. I mean, you can do it here if you have printed notes. It's on your notes. You can print them out later. But I encourage you physically print that out and sign your name to a covenant if you're willing to make the commitment to do these three things this year. Let's review it very quickly. What are you committing to? I'm committing to a daily time with God personal Bible reading and prayer, spending time with God every day. I know I need it. I know I'm not going to be effective without it, so I'm committing to do that. You know, maybe you'll read a chapter a day. Maybe you'll read it in the morning. Maybe you'll read it at night. Maybe you'll read a couple of chapters a day. Start. Don't have an unreasonable goal of reading like three books a day because you'll give up pretty quick. Have a reading plan. Our CBR journals, we're using them again this year. Last year, if you focused on the New Testament, focus on the Old Testament this year. My little group that I'm a part of that we share with, we, we decided to focus on the Old Testament this year and share about the Old Testament. We shared about the New Testament last year. You know, that's a great, a great resource to use. Um, but do it. Do it every day. And again, if you miss a day, pick it back up the next day. Commit to a daily time with God like Jesus did. If Jesus thought it was important, then I should too. Number two, I'm committing to a weekly tithe. I'm committing a weekly tithe to God. On everything you're going to make, you're going to take the first 10%, take it out first, you're going to give it back to God because you want to be like God and you want to grow in your faith. You want to show your faith, your dependence upon God. So God in faith, I'm believing that if I tithe, that you're going to provide for all of my needs financially. Make that commitment. And number three, I commit to a committed church for God. You're going to get together with a church. If, you don't, if you're not a part of a church, this is a great one. We invite you to join. If you're not a part of a small group, join. Right now, if it's only virtually, do whatever you can. Be a part of that group. Don't give up on that. Join. Be a part of a small group and a large group. It takes time and it takes trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. It's going to take time. It's going to take priority. It's going to take exercise, commitment. 
Now, I encourage you, take this commitment. There's nothing magical about the paper and the pen, but sign it. You sign yours, I'm going to sign mine. And let's keep these commitments. And I guarantee you, if you do, you will be more spiritually fit at the end of 2021 than you are right now. Your relationship with God will be stronger. I don't know what else is going to happen in our world the next year. God knows, I don't, but I do know that if you'll commit to these three things, you will grow closer to your Savior than you are right now. And I encourage you to do that. It's your choice between you and God, not between you and me, but I encourage you to do it. You know, commitment is tough sometimes. It's difficult. Uh, I read a story about a starfish, and I got to share this because I ordered a starfish from Amazon. It was supposed to arrive yesterday, and I got to about 6 o'clock yesterday, and the mailman came, and he delivered everything except my starfish, and I got nervous, and uh, I guess he figured it out because he came back afterwards and dropped it in the mailbox, but uh, Eli did something for me. I was, I was like, I, I'd sent a, a picture to Nathan. I was like, Nathan, man, I don't have my starfish. Can you put this picture up? Well, Eli went in the other room, and he drew a picture of a starfish for me so that I would have a starfish this morning. So I had to show that one, but I did get my starfish. And there's an interesting story. Years ago, hundreds of years ago, fishermen in New England, they didn't like starfish because starfish hunt for oysters too. And so what they would do is they would go out to fish. Uh, Once a year, they would go out and they would, whenever they would find a starfish, they would take their knife. And I'm not actually going to do it. No, this starfish is dead, but I'm not going to do it. But they would take their knives and they would cut the starfish in half and they'd throw them back in the ocean every year, right? And so they thought, well, that'll take care of it. That'll get rid of the starfish. Well, they come out the next year, and there'd be even more starfish, but they kept doing it. They would cut them in half, throw them in there. Well, what they didn't know at the time, and we know now, is that if you take a starfish, cut his leg off, guess what? He's going to grow a new one. If you take a starfish and cut it in half, guess what? You're going to end up with two starfish. It's one of the miracles about starfish. One of the amazing things about God's creation, starfish regrow limbs and multiply that way. Now, do you think, and part of the reason I'm not doing it is because I just, you know, I don't know. I just, even though I know the starfish is dead, it still, to me, seems like it would hurt. (laughs) I don't know. But do you think the starfish enjoys that? I can't imagine that it does. But what's the end result? More starfish. Commitment takes sacrifice. There are going to be some things, if you're going to be a leader for Christ, if you're going to be a faithful follower for Christ, if you're going to be spiritually fit, there are some things you're going to have to give up, good things even, and replace them with what God wants in your life. But it's all for your best. It may even hurt sometimes. Sometimes God takes us through that process known as pruning. When things need, we need to get rid of things because we're stubborn and we need those tough lessons. And it's not fun and it hurts sometimes. But in the end... We're closer to him, and we're more spiritually fit. What are you willing to sacrifice to fulfill God's plan for your life? What are you willing to sacrifice to be close to your Savior? What are you willing to do if God calls you to do it? Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's difficult. But the end result makes it worth it. The end result is blessing from God, relationship with God, and, of course, because of Jesus Christ, eternity with God faithfully following Christ, becoming spiritually fit. That should be our goal, and I pray that it will be. I believe Jesus is looking for committed people. He knows your heart. He knows my heart. 
You look at Noah, and the reason Noah's whole family was saved is because Noah found favor in God's sight. Why? Because God saw his heart, and he saw a man that believed, that would, would believe and would have faith, and did have faith. God wants people who are willing to be committed to him, and if we will commit ourselves to him, these three disciplines, yes, but our whole lives, God will take us, and he can work with us, and he can accomplish incredible things in our lives. I believe God wants to do something incredible in your life in 2021. Will you commit to him? Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you today and know, we recognize that if we're going to be spiritually fit, it's not going to happen automatically. Lord, we have to commit to you everything. We've got to practice spiritual disciplines, these three and more, but especially these three that cover so much of our lives, our time, our resources, our relationships. They take up so much of our lives and influence us so much. And they show what's important to us. Lord, I pray that we would commit to you everything. That we would put you first in our lives. That we would put you in the center of our lives. That we would have relationships that encourage our growth and we encourage others' growth and and that honor you. And that we would spend time with you every day, a quiet time, but that we would walk in communion and fellowship with you each day. And that begins, Father, with a relationship with you that can only happen if we accept your son Jesus, Jesus, your sacrifice for our sins. If we invite you into our lives and accept the gift of salvation that only you offer. And I pray that if there's somebody out there today in this building today who hasn't done that, Father, I pray that right now in this time of prayer that they would just cry out to you and invite you into their lives. Understanding, Jesus, that you died for their sins on the cross, that there is no salvation apart from you, that they would invite you in and accept that gift. And then allow us to show them the next steps they need to take to becoming spiritually fit, to fulfilling your purpose for their lives, to knowing you more, to discovering why you put them here. And Father, for those of us who do know you, what are the areas of our lives that need work? Where do we need more exercise? What are the weak points? Satan's going to attack those weak points, and we need to fortify them. And the only way we can do that is through spiritual disciplines, through relationships, through being a part of a church family, through following your will and your instructions, your plan, your purpose, doing what you say and, and not doing the things that you tell us not to do. It's for our good and for our protection, but we have to follow through. You will give us the strength. We don't have to do it on our own. You promised to provide a way out when there's temptation, to provide strength for the day each day, but we have to be willing to put ourselves in a position through our commitment and our willingness to follow through with that commitment to experience your power and strength. Time alone with you each day in your word, in prayer, walking in communion with you, giving our tithe to show that you are first and it's your way, not ours. It's all yours, not mine showing my faith in you through giving, becoming more like you, and then through my relationships, being a part of a church family, a small group, having people in my life that disciple and encourage me, and being willing to disciple others as I grow. Lord, help us to make these commitments, to make this covenant with you, and give us the strength to follow through, knowing that if we do, you will bless us with growth, with your presence, and with kingdom impact. Even if we don't see it immediately, we know that there will be kingdom impact as a result of our service to you. Lord, we thank you for the promises of your word. 
and your presence in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.